When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. We've officially reached the end of season four, and I just want to take the time to say a wholehearted thank you for being here. None of this is possible without you, and it means the absolute world to me that you give me your time. At the end of each season, I do a little top 10 recap of episodes that I want to make sure get heard from the season. I podcast five days a week, so a lot get lost, and that's what we're going to do today. So if you have been joining me this year and haven't already left a rating or review in iTunes or Spotify, that would mean the world to me. It's how we get the podcast to new amazing listeners just like you. But for now, happy holidays, friends. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you for season five. Today, we are packing up and heading to Atlanta. We're going to stay there the night before we leave for San Francisco. And so with that in mind, we're all home. The husband and the kiddo are packing up their things. So you might hear some lifestyle sounds in the background. That's just kind of what we're working with today. And, you know, it's the best we can do. Um, with that in mind, I was really going back and forth about whether or not going to Atlanta was a weird choice. So we are about three, four hours from Atlanta. And it's a bit of a drive to fly out of there, but we have the Southwest Companion Pass. So my husband can fly for like five bucks on Southwest. And there wasn't, there isn't a Southwest airport, like, terminal here in where we live and there's not even a flight to San Francisco from the terminal where we are closest to so Atlanta was the closest flight we could get with Southwest to San Francisco and we thought you know what let's do it let's try it out and you know I think it actually makes more sense because flying from Asheville to Atlanta for the three of us was like insane it was like a thousand dollars just for us to fly that 30 minute flight and then it's like that's more expensive than our flight to San Francisco from Atlanta so it makes more sense for us to just fly to you know drive to Atlanta have a place to park our car we'll you know shuttle out from there and I think it'll be I think it makes sense it's just inconvenient I I have friends who like only fly direct And they only ever fly with a carry-on. They, like, prefer everything to be streamlined and simple. And I am not like that. I'm very much like, I will save a buck. Um, I I will be inconvenienced in order to, like, save that money. And I think if we lived in a larger city, I might be more concerned with flying direct, you know, because I would have that option. But living here, we just like never can fly direct. It's very rare. So I'm used to a layover. Um, and if I'm going to drive a few hours to get like, save, you know, a few hundred bucks, like I'm going to do it. But we 
kind of our, it's a little bit of a journey. Like we drive to Atlanta, we fly to Denver tomorrow and then we, you know, have a layover in Denver and then we fly to San Francisco and yeah, it's a little bit of a jaunt, but it's, you know, I think worth it to save the, save the dime. All right. So today we are talking through what we reference as our Enneagram type. So this is one of those areas where the schools all speak about it differently. So I'm sharing it as I learned it, but you'll see there's like some inconsistencies in the way that people talk about this element of the Enneagram. For example, type eight is often listed as a self-referencing type, but I learned it as a both referencing type. So just keep that in mind. This is going to be a relatively short and sweet little episode, just a little informational thing, because I do often refer to self-referencing and other referencing types. And so I just want you to have a sense of that as well. I also will talk about the both referencing types and if I were to categorize them, where I would put them, because I think that can be helpful because sometimes I might even refer to eights as self-referencing because of, yeah, how they make decisions and who they trust and who they trust first. So I, I think that's important to talk about. All right. So the reason that this is important and helpful, one, it's super helpful in relationships because if you're holding yourself to the standard of what you reference, you can be really bothered by how other people reference themselves, right? So for example, um, I, as a self-referencing type, when someone else is like kind of always putting what they, their decisions onto other people, that can feel really oppressive to me or even kind of confusing. But for other referencing types, when they're seeing self-referencing types, it can look like selfish or uncaring or self-absorbed to always be thinking about yourself and talking about yourself. So I think that's important to note that it can offer a space for understanding and compassion. Additionally, um, I really think it's helpful when you're typing yourself because if I had had this sooner, I am so clearly self-referencing that I would have picked my type much faster. It would have really narrowed it down for me versus, you know, I really was rooting for myself to be a nine there for a while and um, I'm not. (laughs) So um, that would have saved me some time in my own exploration. So now in terms of what these are, it's essentially that we each have an area of focus. So for self-referencing types, they're focusing on what do I need, want, and desire and kind of trusting themselves and their thoughts and feelings first. And then for other referencing types, they're focused on what other people want, need, and desire, and then trusting other people and their thoughts and opinions first. So let's get into what this looks like by type. So our self-referencing types are types four, seven, and five. Fours tend to be focused on how they are feeling and the status of their emotional connection to other people and, and their desire for longing or their kind of, maybe not desire for longing, but preoccupation with longing. Um, So that being said, you know, they tend to go, I'm feeling, I think, I want, I long for. Fives, they reference their energy levels and their resources. So they assess each day how much energy they have and how they're going to use it focusing on making sure that they are not depleted. I need to make sure I'm not depleted. I'm not worn down. I'm not wiped out. Sevens are focused on their needs and getting their needs met um, because they have that strong desire to escape pain and suffering, to be satisfied. 
they're focusing their on their own plans, preferences, priorities, and pleasures, and they're going to focus on making sure they get what they need. They, you know, the preoccupation there is I have to take care of myself. I have to guarantee that my needs are met. That being said, it doesn't mean that these types are constantly self-absorbed and never think about other people. Really, what's happening is they they all kind of operate from the place of I need to fill my own cup first. And that comes much more naturally to them than the kind of fear of setting boundaries. They tend to be like, I can take care of myself. I know what I want. I know what I need. And I can give out of my surplus rather than from my depletion. That being said, their work, right, is in recognizing when can I sacrifice? When can I compromise? When is it okay for me to put my needs aside for a minute to take care of someone else. That's kind of the practice there. Now for our other referencing types, we have types two, three, and nine, who again, they direct their energy outward, focusing on other people first and adapting their inner experience to match what others want or need. So this can look from a self-referencing perspective, right? These types can look like martyrs or chameleons or pleasers, um, to me, sometimes this sounds really negative, but it, sometimes to me it looks like lying, right? Uh, it looks like you're you're saying one thing to one person to make them happy, saying something else to someone else to make them happy. And that feels like deception to someone who's like really focused on always telling the truth, which not saying that self-referencing types are, but just saying that's something that I super value. So that that's how it can appear, right? Just like our type self-referencing types can look selfish or self-absorbed. Twos, let's get into like the specifics. So twos reference other people's needs and feelings, particularly people they are close to or want to be close to. Threes reference others' definition of value and success, and then they can craft their image to appear successful according to other people. And then nines reference other people's agendas and desires. So they may not shape shift as much as twos or threes do, but they unconsciously tend to forget about their own priorities and go with the flow, right, to keep the peace and make things easy, but they kind of lose themselves in the desires of others when that happens. That being said, it doesn't mean that these types are beyond the ability to take care of themselves. They just have not put themselves first. They put others first and therefore they tend to get lost in the desires, priorities, and feelings of other people. So then finally, we have that focus on both, right? So those types are Enneagram types one, six, and eight. They focus both on the inner and outer world. Um, so in theory, right, oh, they have this perfect balance, but more often it's kind of like a stressful back and forth between the inner and outer world shaping and complicating their perception of reality. Um, because it's like, who do I trust? Where do I focus my attention? Everyone needs something from me, including myself. Now, once they reference a set of inner world rules, like that inner critic or even that inner moral compass, that is self-guided. So they tend to govern their life based off of their own self-trust, their own inner compass. Now, I have had ones who tell me that, that they thought that was the voice of God most of their life, and so that can feel like you're referencing someone else, but it is your own inner voice. It's your intuition, your own inner thoughts, your moral compass. 
However, they do also reference the other world in terms of what is proper or appropriate because they desire to be seen as good. This can cause them to kind of reword their emotions, kind of numb down anger or make anger more like, I'm just a little frustrated. I'm not mad. I'm just, you know, I'm finding this difficult um, because mad is a bad emotion, right? So they're having this complicated relationship to how they're being perceived, but at the same time, they are ultimately guided by their own moral compass. If I were to have to place ones in a category, I would put them in self-referencing because that what is good and appropriate is ultimately driven by their own value set and who they think being a good person is. And so, yes, they are referencing cultural norms. They are concerned with the perception of others, but ultimately they are guided by their own moral code. Sixes, they reference potential threats and may project their internal fears onto the world around them. They tend to trust other people over themselves, but they also tend to take a long time to trust people. They question authority. They may struggle to take action until they have a plan for every worst case scenario based off of their own internal fear compass. That being said, if I were to put six in a category, right, I think they do tend to bounce back and forth. Sixes specifically, I think bounce back and forth in almost everything, right? I am and I am not. I could and I could not. I wish and I wish not, right? They're all, they're kind of always both. Um, that being said, if I were to put them in a category, I would put them in others referencing because they tend to want to do what's best for the group. They tend to um, deny their own inner authority, like a lot of their work is in building sense of self-trust and not going outward for validation of their choices. So yeah, if I were to categorize them, I would put them in others referencing, but I also think in general, they tend to be both in almost everything. And then eights, um, they tend to reference power and justice. Um, so they project their own vulnerability onto others so they can take action without feeling their own pain. And this can mean being assertive or decisively taking charge of a situation, but they also tend to be protective of people they care about and they use that power to confront injustice and to fight, you know, unjust authorities. Again, they're often spoken of as self-referencing types because they do have a strong sense of right and wrong, good and bad, stupid and smart, and they express those opinions pretty thoroughly. However, this also happens because types eight fear being controlled, so they focus on what they want to want as a resistance to control. At the same time, they are scanning for the leaders and underdogs in a room and whether or not they are needed. So they respond based on the perceived weaknesses around them. Is the leadership taking advantage of others? Is the leadership inefficient? Then it may be time for them to step in. Are there people in need of protecting? So they will shift their behavior based on who is around them and what the needs of the most vulnerable may be. That being said, if I were to categorize them, I would categorize them as self-referencing because again, this is coming based off of what they think good leadership looks like, not the like objective good leadership. It's like, do I think this person is strong or weak? And I do think ultimately they are referencing themselves in that. But at the same time, it's often feel very obligated to other people. They can be the providers for other people. And so I can see how they play the line between both. But if I were to kind of force a categorization on them, I would choose self-referencing. That being said, 
Um, you know, all of these types have a strong sense of balance. It's just kind of learning to reference the right things at the right times for the right reasons. Self-referencing when you need to fill your cup and to get to the root of a personal issue and others referencing when you are trying to build community or nurture a relationship. So when each of these elements are used in the wrong place or at the wrong time, that's when things get weird, right? So the goal here is ultimately to find a balance between self-referencing and others referencing no matter where you land. And at the same time, understanding where people are coming from when they more naturally self-reference or other reference. So friends, I hope that this is helpful. I hope you find it supportive. I hope this gives you some context for language that we're using on the podcast quite often. And let me know if you have any other elements of the Enneagram you would like me to dive a bit deeper into. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you Friday for the next one. Bye.